Welcome back to another episode of the Rare Disorder Podcast of my Meet a Partner series. Today, I have a special guest with me, Courtney Philippe. Courtney is a patient engagement fellow at the Every Life Foundation, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to empowering the rare disease patient community to advocate for impactful, science-driven legislation and policy that advances the equitable development of and access to life-saving diagnosis, treatment, and cures. She also runs the Young Adults for RDLA, or YAR, program. Courtney, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Just to get started, and so my listeners can get to know you a bit, could you please give a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm Courtney. I use she, they pronouns, and I am the patient engagement fellow for Every Life, which means I do a lot of supporting grassroots patient organizations and individual patient advocates, as well as working with the young adult representatives of RDLA or YAR program, which is selfishly one of my favorites. Um, I just started for Every Life in September, so I'm settling in, and I have a bit of a background in advocacy around rare disease, chronic illness, and disability, as well as youth organizing, so I'm excited to be here and excited to talk with you today, Shivani. Thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. All right, so as you kind of mentioned, you have like extensive background and experience in the rare disease community or like the disability spaces. Um, so I was just wondering, like, what initially got you immersed in the rare disease community, whether this is like a connection, a story, or anything along those lines? It's kind of funny, because I still sometimes feel like of the three things I mentioned, rare disease, chronic illness, and disability, rare disease is still the one that I'm getting the most caught up on and still learning the most actively about. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I started experiencing a whole host of symptoms, most of them neurological, um, especially chronic pain and dysautonomia. And for multiple years, I had doctors dismiss what I knew was going on um, and essentially tell me there was nothing wrong when something was clearly and increasingly wrong. Um, I went through a series of misdiagnoses and other experiences and in that time started getting involved with advocacy around chronic illness and disability and identifying in that way. Um, Eventually, towards the start of the pandemic, eight years after this all began, I finally started receiving a few diagnoses that for the first time felt like they actually explained what was going on rather than offering a very surface level description of it. Um, I was diagnosed with hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos or HEDS, um, and that put me right at the brink of the rare disease community. It has been a journey and it still is a journey of figuring out where exactly I fit as someone with more of the common rare diseases Mm -hmm. or someone who has a condition that is so underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed that it's actually really hard to figure out if it would count as a rare disease or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something that got me thinking about my larger place in the community when it comes to that blurry space between chronic illness and rare disease um, and also what it is I could do to understand and support the experiences of patients with much rarer conditions or those who've also faced marginalization or underrepresentation in our society and in medicine in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great to hear. And like, I know what you mentioned about like misdiagnosis and kind of like struggling to get that diagnosis. Um, I know like that's a lot of things a lot of rare disease patients um, deal with like nowadays, like either like not being believed by their doctor or like um, just not finding an answer. And I feel like once you finally get that answer, you're like, where do I go from here? And that's when you kind of like mark the beginning of your rare disease advocacy journey. 
Yeah, I very much thought of diagnosis for a very long time as the final endpoint and the answer. And then I got it and I realized it just introduced so many more questions to me, mm -hmm. especially as someone who has a lot of friends and co-advocates who've also had difficult experiences with long diagnostic processes. Um, mm -hmm. So it is endlessly an ongoing conversation. All right, so this kind of goes off like the last question I asked. So like what really like got you into rare disease advocacy? Like what was kind of like the marking point or like first step? Yeah, so I started getting into advocacy more broadly when I was in high school. I am from Buffalo, New York, and I went to a very inaccessible high school here. And so a lot of my early advocacy was around mental and physical health barriers and figuring out how the school and schools in general could actually offer more support to students. When I went into college, I really thought I was going to go into electoral politics and like congressional policymaking, mm -hmm. but I kept being drawn to what would ultimately become a concentration in health illness and disability studies. Um, every paper that I actually got to choose what to write about, I was you know writing about like sickle cell anemia and legislation from the 1970s. I was working on things about misdiagnosis and medical sociology. Mm -hmm. It was all of these things that came back to issues that the rare disease community is very familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, and this was at the same time as doing some other organizing and advocacy work on my own college, a lot of it around illness and rare disease and disability. Um, and where this really kicked off for me is I did an internship program between my junior and senior year with the American Association of People with Disabilities, or AAPD. Um, they have that for all different college students and grad students with disabilities. And I got to meet a lot of people from everywhere in the rare disease community mm -hmm. and the disability community, which I think was really nice for me as someone who had struggled for a long time with how to identify, mm -hmm. that I was meeting other people who identified as disabled through having a chronic illness or rare disease. And it allowed me to start making those connections and then talking about issues that were very specific to say rare disease funding or something else that was not being talked about in the much, much larger structure. Mm -hmm. um, and that was actually the organization that led me to hearing about Every Life is I heard about them through some of the folks that I met at AAPD and got to know very well. So ironically, it's also very immediately how I ended up here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like what you were talking about, like how you were a huge like mental mental health kind of advocate, I really feel like rare diseases and like mental health go hand in hand because we often see like a lot of patients struggling with like their mental health and I just feel like sometimes it's like dismissed or like undervalued that your mental health is important, especially as a rare disease patient um, who's going through all these challenges and struggles through your kind of journey. Yeah, like for me, when I was younger, it, it was the simultaneous mix of not being believed by doctors or having any real support for being chronically ill and going to an inaccessible high school that, of course, I had mental health challenges. That's the logical culmination of a system that is not really built to support kids with chronic illnesses and rare diseases. So that's absolutely something that I'm glad more and more people are starting to talk about. Like that is also a whole conversation. Um, and it's also one of my favorite things about working with advocates is them having that conversation and learning to support each other in their own spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like over the past year, like not just in the rare disease community, but also just because of like COVID and everything shutting down, um, people are really starting to like shine light on like mental health and like bring importance to that because we're all like in our houses. So um, there's really been like seeing an increase in like mental health issues. So um, that's something I'm also really passionate about. And I'm really happy that like more light is being shined on like 
these mental health issues and more awareness is kind of being like brought to these issues yeah for sure all right so just kind of like transitioning into your role at every life as like um a um director of like the yard program there and just like all the work you do with every life um so could you give like us an overarching view of what every life foundation is like what does it stand for um, and also just like a brief overview of the YAR program that you're involved with. Yeah, so you got into this a little bit with the definition you gave, but Every Life Foundation for Rare Diseases is primarily focused on legislation and public policy, especially as it relates to drug development, the regulatory process, newborn screening, treatment access, anything that is a big federal or state policy that will impact folks anywhere in the rare disease community. That is something that Every Life works on. Um, we've been around since 2009 um, and are growing every year since. Um, a fundamental part of what we do and something that I really liked when I first started really hearing about Every Life is that we don't speak for rare disease patients. We're really focused on figuring out what rare disease patients themselves are organizing around and want and what it is that we can support to help build a stronger, larger network of rare disease advocates wherever they're coming from within the community. Um, that's just something that I have appreciated in terms of people having real dynamic conversations and figuring out what policies really do matter to them um, and figuring that out from the grassroots up. Um, we are very much a coalition type of organization. Um, one of our big programs in this vein is the Rare Disease Legislative Advocates or RDLA and that is a whole group of advocates across the rare disease community, a lot of patients themselves and a lot of family members and loved ones who are working somehow on advocacy and policy related to rare disease. And that's everywhere from folks who are undiagnosed or newly diagnosed to folks who've been around for many years and have real expertise in some of these subjects. Um, and we formed the Young Adult Representatives of RDLA or the YAR program as a specific subset because young adults have a lot of their own experiences and their own issues to talk about. And we wanted a space for people to be able to build advocacy skills and share tips and tricks and otherwise get familiar with the whole network that is the rare disease community through this program with other young adults. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the big things that are actually included in YAR, we do monthly meetings to discuss anything rare disease and advocacy. We have some public speaking trainings and we help connect YARs with opportunities to present. Um, we host young adult meetups at larger advocacy events. The Rare Disease Week meetups are a whole annual thing that are very fun. And we have a specialized leadership academy that functions like a weekly class for people who are interested in more official patient representative roles in something like policymaking, drug development, or advisory councils as a few highlights of what it is that YAR actually entails. Yeah, so um, I know like I got like kind of like involved with Every Life um, initially because I was really looking to like kind of make that like direct impact um, because I really started out like in the advocacy world kind of sharing stories, but I really wanted to learn like kind of like what's really being done for like our community. Um, and like one thing that just really stuck with me is that Every Life like really strives to make this like direct impact by telling you to call your um, Congress legislators and stuff like that. And then also like going to all these like rare disease events um, and stuff like that. And then also like YAR, um, I feel like often in the rare disease community, like young adult needs are like not met that well. And I feel like this program really like strives to bring like a light to like young adult needs and provide them with the support because 
Um, I feel like getting started early in your advocacy journey can really allow you to make a larger impact later on. Um, and I also know that like a lot of people really want like young adult re representation and also like hearing from different um, young adults and seeing their like kind of like perspectives and insights as they're really young and like going on their advocacy journeys. Yeah, I definitely agree. I have loved youth advocacy for a while and the YAR program is something I'm really excited about. Um, and I, I like the fact that YAR structurally is between 16 and 30 in terms of the young adults who are actually part of it. And so what you also get to see is folks maturing in their advocacy journeys throughout their time in the program, whether they start at 16 or they start at say 28, like you also have this conversation that's occurring as people are in different stages of young adulthood and also figuring out like what emerging into adulthood actually means to them or for them and like mm -hmm. having those like different conversations that then empower them to do stronger and more united advocacy to their legislators or to other institutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And then also since like the age range is like 16 to 30, I feel like um, younger YARs can definitely like learn from like older YARs and like kind of see like, where can I take my advocacy journey? Like what are the different paths? Because there's just so many different people um, and so many different like approaches to how they take on their advocacy. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I think sometimes it even ironically works the opposite way too, where like slightly older yards get to see organizing that people are doing in their high schools or in their colleges or just mm -hmm. as younger yards and also share advice in that way too. Like it's definitely a mutual conversation that is fun to witness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how was YAR like initially founded? Like, was there like a backstory to this or like, um, like a motivation behind starting YAR, like how was it founded? Yeah, so obviously there have been young adult advocates in the rare disease community for so long now, and they've been involved in RDLA for a while, but it was in 2018 where folks started to realize that we really needed a specific young adults program, mm -hmm. and that was when YAR was started, originally mostly to increase young adult presence at Rare Disease Week and to get folks at meetups or otherwise networking with each other, um, and that was founded by Lindsay Cundiff, who is the Every Life Associate Director of Patient Engagement and works really closely with me on the YAR program. And then three young adult advocates, Shira Strongen, Taylor Kane, and Oki Daskus, who saw an opportunity for this and wanted to make it happen. And then obviously since then, YAR has grown a lot beyond just those meetups to also include things like presentations or meetings between the Rare Disease Week events and other you know, information and resource sharing that occurs beyond just what it was originally envisioned to do. Mm -hmm. All right, so like, I'm sure like many young adults are listening on the podcast today. So if someone's like interested in YAR, what like would be like the steps to be involved with YAR or officially become a member? Yeah, so if you go to our website, which is everylifefoundation.org, there's a set of pages dedicated to YAR entirely. It's under the programs tab at the top, so you can scroll down and click on YAR. It's pretty easily presentable. Um, and you can read more about past events, opportunities, expectations, anything to do with basic YAR information. And then under the membership tab, there's a little link to apply. It's a quick survey. It should take about 15 minutes. 
and it asks some questions about why you're interested in rare disease advocacy, any past education or advocacy you've already done, um, and any specific skills or resources that you want to work on, what it is that you really want to improve being a part of YAR and sort of get out of the YAR program. Um, and if you have any questions that aren't handled by the survey or on the website, you can also email me. Uh, my email is cfelle, C-F like Frank, E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, at everylifefoundation.org. Um, and I can help you with some of that too. Um, all of the contact info is on the about page of the website. So if you want to see like my email in print, if that's easier or something like that, you can also just go there. All right, great. Um, I'm sure like a lot of people are like interested in that and will be looking to sign up. Um, all right, so I know you mentioned like you just started with YAR just a couple months ago. But since then, what has been kind of like your favorite part or just like a highlight of working with YAR? I really love how engaged and inspiring young adult advocates are because they have so much enthusiasm. I think young adults are often very intuitively in tune with what's going on in the world because as like relatively low tier folks who are still emerging into adulthood and power, they are subject to a lot of the problems and frustrations in the world. They're seeing that directly and they and their friends are starting to criticize what's going on. They have these very well-developed critiques and things that they want to change. Um, and I was really inspired by that level of analysis, but also the sheer optimism and effort it takes to like look at very big problems in the world and be like, heck yeah, we are going to fight this. We are going to advocate and do it in such a way that empowers other people to also get involved. And I feel like young adult advocates definitely have that skill in mass. Um, it is something that continues to warm my heart and also bolster my own advocacy. Um, I also really have loved in the meetings that I've been in with multiple YARs, the ways that people interact with each other. I always love when I open the Instagram and I see people reposting each other's events or each other's content. There's something that is very wholesome about the community that is built of advocates. Um, it just always makes me really happy to see those little comments or posts. All right. So, um, so like, uh, um, how has like fostering like these numerous connections through like young adults and also meeting with like so many different people of all different ages all the way from young adults to adults in the rare disease space changed your outlook? I think especially early in college I used to be convinced that the younger generation would save us and I think the more that I talk to advocates across the board I am reminded of the fact that every generation is told that they're special and that they'll be the ones to save us. And yet like every generation keeps getting told that. And so I'm actually very interested in the moments where older advocates are still learning and developing their skills with the advice of young advocates and the ways that young advocates can take very positive tactics and stories from older advocates to inform what it is they're doing and work all together as a larger community, right? Like we call it the rare disease community for a reason. Um, and I'm very interested in just that ongoing learning. Like I feel like mm -hmm. advocacy is not a thing, it is a process. And a lot of Yara seem to intuitively also understand that and be endlessly working on it. That's part of why we talk about Yara as an educational program too and skills building is that there is always more to do and more to learn. This is in sort of never ending process even if you have wins that are ongoing in it. Um, and I really like that in the rare disease space in particular because I think the ways we all talk about time necessarily with like drug development and cures is really fraught like i have a lot of complicated feelings just about what time means and what time is and how different that is in the rare disease community 
And so I really like being able to still build those generational connections and talk about some of those deeper issues with folks who all understand it and have each other's like whole community advancement in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, especially for like patients, I know that like having someone who understands is like a really um, big thing they like seek out when kind of like coming into this community or joining your um like for me I know like I wanted to join YAR because like I kind of wanted to like get that young adult perspective and like have people who can relate and understand um obviously like advocacy with like older people or younger people is great but like this kind of really allowed me to like meet new people um who are the same ages ages me and kind of being like exposed to the same things nowadays um so yeah yeah, and by comparison, when I was in high school, I often felt, like, very isolated in terms of what I was going through. Like, I couldn't figure out who actually shared these experiences to talk mm-hmm. to, and I wish I had found something like Yara at the time, because I know it would have been that exact community network for what it was I knew I needed, but, like, couldn't figure out where to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, so since you started working at Every Life Foundation, like, what are some of, like, the new insights and perspectives you've gained Um, like something about our community, about like advocates in general, just like anything um, new that you've learned? Yeah, so I came in right during Newborn Screening Awareness Month. So just factually, I have learned like way more about newborn screening than I knew before being at Every Life. Um, I think that's one of the benefits of having so many policy and legislation webinars and events is also just that sheer learning curve, sometimes with very specific policies. Um, The other thing that I've enjoyed is seeing all of the different backgrounds that advocates come from. There are some folks whose specialties are very much policymaking itself or the regulatory process or getting in touch with specific congressional legislators and knowing how to make good asks. There are some people whose expertise is more in science or technology development or maybe academia and studying some of these issues and the social trends. Um, There are some people where their success is just everyday life and talking to other people and raising awareness in their own conversations. And I think it's really nice to see how everyone can take on rare disease advocacy in their own way based on their own skill set. Like there's no one perfect rare disease advocate. It's like everything that people do together based on their own interests. Like I am very much a sociology person, but I know who to reach out to if I have very niche molecular science questions. And I think that's cool to actually see in action at Every Life because it's so many people pulled together where I'm actually starting to see some of those discrete areas of expertise and then how they link. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, like, really feel, like, 100% everything you said. Like, just, like, seeing these, like, different forms, like, people take on. Like, um, before, like, I was, like, um, really deep into the community. I didn't really know about, like, this policy stuff. I just thought it was, like, people sharing their stories um, kind of, like, sharing their stories on Instagram because I was exposed to, like, numerous people who would, like, post things such as, like, day updates, week updates, like, life updates periodically, stuff like that, um, but then I kind of, like, started to meet, like, researchers, um, policymakers, stuff like that, and it just, like, really astonished me, like, how, like, advocacy comes in so many different forms, and each of these people are kind of, like, contributing to the advancement of cures, in the community in their own special way of what they're like interested in or what they're specialized in. Yeah, exactly. And it's just really wonderful and helpful. Mm-hmm. 
because you kind of know that like the science is being taken care of and then we're doing the policy side stuff like that (laughs) yeah we got it covered it's a little tapestry that's how I think of Mm -hmm. it everyone's their own thread but it's still the bigger fabric Mm -hmm. yeah um so what are like some of the resources that YAR provides for young adults to advocate for themselves and progress in their advocacy journeys yeah so I'd actually want to build on something that I mentioned a little bit in the explanation of what YAR is I'm really partial to the speakers bureau which I mentioned in terms of helping YARs with public speaking and finding some of those opportunities Um, so I can give a little more information about what that actually looks like Um, YARs have always been interested in that public speaking, but a lot of it so far has been helping YARs practice and find presentations a little more one-on-one. And so we're trying to build some more structure and some more formal training for all of the folks who really want to expand their public speaking skills and figure out how to persuade different audiences of the importance of rare disease policy and legislation, and even just awareness at a base level. Um, So one of the things that me and Lindsay have been working on um, is expanding the system so that we have trainings with some consultants that are helping build those skills. So we're helping people find opportunities at say patient conferences, at pharmaceutical companies, at their own events, maybe with their school, their local community, even figuring out how these skills transfer to legislative meetings directly because it is somewhat terrifying to look your legislator directly in the eyes and ask them sometimes a very direct or potentially like difficult like ask. Um, So that's definitely something that we're hoping to expand more and to make available to all the existing YARs and new YARs as another opportunity for folks who are really interested in some way in that public speaking component. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's going to be like really great because I know like a lot of young adults join YAR like in the intent of kind of like um, getting these public speaking opportunities and kind of like directly interacting with legislators. and just kind of like voicing their opinion of their like story or just like um, their opinion on policies um, in the rare disease community and everything like that. Yeah, and the thing is that's always been there, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. always been a huge component of YAR, but I think it's focusing on specifically expanding it so that there's a structure for people to come into to really feel like they're building up those skills and that they are confident going into the public speaking that they're doing because of course so much of it is also just nerves and what you feel like you're ready for what you feel like you've been able to prepare and everything that you've thought through or that you might have missed in the process um so it's just fleshing that out a little more so people have more of that focus on public speaking mm-hmm. all right so just to kind of like end off now i was wondering if there's like any resources you would like to share with my podcast audience today um just for reference it's primarily comprised of like rare disease patients, caregivers, and also like numerous rare disease organizations? Yeah, I would definitely say again to check out our website, everylifefoundation.org. YAR also has some public social media you can check out. Um, The Instagram is at hearusyar, and then the LinkedIn, if you just look up YAR or Young Adult Representatives of RDLA, it should come up that way. Um, You can also definitely get in touch with me if you have any other questions. Um, I mentioned my email earlier, and like I said, it's on the bottom of the About page on the Every Life Foundation website. So if you go there, look at the staff, you can find emails like that. Um, And I'd be happy to answer any questions people have about YAR or anything that I've mentioned sort of in this podcast. 
Alright, perfect. So I'm actually a yarn myself, so I definitely, if you guys are thinking about it, I really recommend joining. It's been a great experience so far, even though I've only been in it for a couple months. And I'm re also really looking forward to the Speakers Bureau, because something I'm really passionate about is public speaking and just kind of like voicing my opinion. Um, but besides that, I would like to thank you so much, Courtney, for joining me today and really providing like all this useful information about YAR and its initiatives and also just Every Life Foundation. Um, and also sharing your own story. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me.